In Denny, Mika, Cooter, Patchy, and though sometimes the mobile's scratchy, they ring to talk to Macca. Hello, Macca. Yeah. Barry Pope from Spalding in South Australia. Most people know me as Popey. Just want to let you know, I'm doing a walk at the moment. I'm 58-year-old. I'm just doing a walk solo from Spalding in the mid-north between Clare and Jamestown down to Mount Gambier. 1,240-kilometre round trip. Little trolley raising funds for mental health awareness in our local district. I've never walked before in my life. So far, I've done about 410 k's, Macca. And how are you holding up? Well, I had a few lessons to learn. I had a couple of top blokes come out yesterday and revamp my trolley and put a couple of BMX wheels on it and got it going, so it's a lot freer than the little wheels I had. And why did you do this, Barry? I probably haven't had the best journey the last year myself. More so the people that we know in the district where we've had kids and you know, 17-year-old, no longer here and whatnot. And a lot of tragic situations you hear of. And uh, it was something for my personal health too to have a get out on the road and have a bit of a clean out of the system. I lost my licence last October so instead of sitting around home and having a beer and smoking, I thought I'd better off going and doing something better. Exactly. More constructive. Good on you, Baz. Good luck, mate. Thank you. On a Sunday morning. Yeah, Macker in the morning turns my week around. He picks me up when I feel down. I wait all week for Macker on a Sunday morning. There's milkmaid singing below Mount Warning. It's just another Sunday morning. The surfers say it's wicked, sick, it's filthy. Launcestonians and Hobartians, and who's to say there isn't Martians beaming up Australia on Sunday mornings? It starts my week, Macca, on Sunday mornings. Good morning, welcome to the program, wherever you are, all over the world. You might be listening this morning uh, and you might be um, on the track or whatever you're doing, up getting it done. Wendy rang this morning and she's, she's, she's sold up. She's just sold up and she's on the road in a van. She sold all the books and all the accoutrements of her baggage, I suppose, of life. And now she's, well, where, where was she? Was I think she was in Malacuta this morning, or no, she might have been Tartar, but she was heading. She'd been through Malacuta, and it'd take a bit to do that, wouldn't it? On the program this morning, we're going to um, you'll meet a bloke who's just done the Murray, um, not swum it. He's uh, canoed it, and I think wouldn't that be a nice thing to do? But he said it was tough. But anyway, you'll meet him this morning. Uh, lovely while ever I live. Uh, the All Over News is here, and uh, in a little while. The second part of Dennis's Gibbons' story about the Lockhart. But I was going through my back pages as I do, um, and I came across some letters. This one wasn't back pages, but it's about something that happened 30 years ago. A Vaughan Gurney uh, was listening last year when, remember Russ was trying to get across the border and the police arrest, well, didn't arrest him, but said you can't go, you had to stay where you were. But they were listening. Vaughan Gurney and his wife were listening uh, to um, Russ, who's sailing his boat. And he had a, I think he had a 30-foot sloop or something. And they said that Russ's predicament reminded them of their journey 33 years ago when they... Uh, sailed to Africa in a, um, what was called a folk boat. Now, my, uh, my friend Emily just rang me while the news was on, Emily McIntosh, and she said a folk boat is a little Swedish boat. She said they're tough and rugged little things, Kel. They're only 26 foot long, but you could sail to Africa because I was thinking, gee, I wouldn't like to 
much like to go across um, the Indian Ocean uh, in a in a twenty six foot boat. But these little folk boats um, are rugged little yeah good little things. And uh, Emily said her her mum used to sail one. But uh, Vaughan said they uh, they did this thirty three years ago in a twenty six foot folk boat uh, called Gumboots, and they visited the same anchorages as Russ talked about and eventually ending up in Africa. And they wrote a book, or his wife's just published a book, called Ireland Hopping to Africa. And as I mentioned earlier, well, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure I'd be a good sailor. I don't know. But anyway, um, that's what Vaughan said. During the voyage in 89, we listened to you and the program via shortwave radio while sailing west through Indonesia. Can't listen on shortwave anymore. You'd have to listen online, as it were. No shortwave. Not of us. I don't believe, is there, John? No. That's the story. Uh, but getting back to back pages, I came across this the other day. Have a listen to this letter. It was written by a bloke called James Carl, and he said, um, and this was written, you know, as I said, 30 years ago. But I just think it was funny because that thing about Australians all help one another and welcome one another, this is his story. And we were, he was talking about a little place called Neil Rex. We, we did a program from Neil Rex years ago. In recent times, you've had quite a lot of mention of the small village of Neil Rex. I often look back fondly to an unusual interest and incident in Neil Rex. Did I give you the number? 1300 700 222, wherever you are. Give us a call. Um, he said, yes, Neil Rex. Although I've never been there before or since. It was back in the early 50s and I had my first car, an Austin A40. And my fiance, who for many years now has been my wife, and I were to travel from Wellington to Kennybry in the Pilliga Scrub to visit a mutual friend who was in charge of the school at Kennybry at the time. Being a long weekend, we decided to travel after school on the Friday and had much advice and information from friends for sh- about shortcuts, etc., etc. To cut a long story short, at somewhere near 2 o'clock on the Saturday morning, that's 2 a.m., we were hope- hopelessly lost when we came across a small village, which was not supposed to be on our way at all. To our surprise, we came across a house in the middle of the village, and at this late hour, 2am we're talking about, there was a group of people having morning tea, as it were, on a well-lit front veranda. After explaining our predicament, we were directed back onto the trail. We should have been on all along and set off on our way again. But I've never forgotten that happy little setting at 2 o'clock in the morning as if it had been 2pm instead of 2am. Even so, we were not offered a cuppa (laughs) and it would have been very acceptable at the time. Can you imagine that? Here they are, they're lost, they've been lost for hours and hours and hours and they turn up and they're all having a whatever they're doing on the front veranda and they said, we're lost. Oh, look, you go there. You must be buggered. Come and have a cup. No. (laughs) <laughs> we were not offered a cuppa and it would have been very acceptable at the time, said uh, Jim. We did, did eventually make our destination near daybreak, a trip to remember. Uh, so Jim Carl, there you go. I just thought that was interesting and I thought, well, that shouldn't have happened, but those sort of things do happen. Uh, our number this morning, 1300 700 222. Um... And this, I, I read a little bit um, before about um, uh, plastic and the lady said, uh, look, can you tell people to cut their plastic tops, you know, when they um, have plastic rings? It was Emmy, Emmy. And Emmy said, 
Um, you need to cut those um, plastic things to stop them getting caught around the necks of birds and stuff like that. And she says, if we cut the plastic rings around milk bottles, medication jars and other plastic jars before disposing, um, it's important that we remove these rings prior to placing them in rubbish bins, even if they're going into the recycle bin. Why? Because placing items in the recycle bin doesn't guarantee they'll be indeed recycled. If the pickup load is contaminated, for example, then everything still ends up in landfill. We must therefore handle all our waste products with the assumption that we'll end up in landfill for whatever reason, even further up the street somewhere. <laughs> there you go, Emmy Silvius. Um, exactly. Too much plastic, and it's not just plastic bags, it's those plastic containers that carry washing machine liquids and all that sort of stuff, and they stay there forever and ever, and you'll find that when they have the clean-up campaigns, they, used to, they still have that in March, Kel, the clean-up campaign started by Ian Keenan all those years ago, the lady Ian Keenan, um, they'll find that most, most of the stuff they collect is those, those plastic bottles. Uh, 1300 700 triple two. G'day, this is Macca. Hi, Macca. G'day. It's Madonna, Madonna Ballinger, and I'm here with my husband, Nigel, and my son, Henry, and his friend, Gus. And we, we um, come from Delunga, but we're heading into Embrel this morning with a horse load, a horse float loaded with cow manure to sell at the market. <laughs> good on, good on. That's <laughs> the, what boys you... are, the boys are saving a bit of money. They'd like to buy a kayak to go fishing. So we've been busy. Ba- they've been busy yesterday bagging up some cow manure. Uh, on the McIntyre or something. Is that where they go? Oh, they'd like to. Yeah, they'd like to. Or out at Copeland Dam's another spot they like to fish. So who's collected the uh, cow manure, Madonna? Henry, Henry and Gus are the two eager boys to um, save a bit of money for a kayak. So. Well, isn't that a great thing to do? I mean, uh, everybody should get involved in that. And when, you, when you're a kid and you've got the uh, prospect of making a little bit of money for whatever you work with, you work, you're a willing worker, aren't you? That's right, yeah. So if there's um, any Inverell people listening and they'd like a bit of Premium cow manure, come on down to the markets. Well, who wouldn't? Um, Look, there'd be city gardeners listening to you now, Madonna. Look, they'd be thinking they're hopping in the car and getting up to Inverell just to get some cow manure for their roses or whatever. Yeah, that's right. That's really good stuff. So what happens on your your place, Madonna? Tell me where you live and what you do there. Uh, So um, my husband's farmer and together with his brother and his father they um we have a mixed farming operation of cattle sheep and some crops what we do and how's life yeah not too bad yeah a much better season than a than a couple of years ago that's for sure yeah been a bit of rain about which is good that's right it'd be nice for it to keep coming though <laughs> well of course <laughs> i'd love to see that uh cow that uh, horse float was full of cow manure Oh, we could probably send you through a photo. <laughs> <laughs> well, or a, or a packet of cow manure. Yeah, I can just see the kids mucking around with cow manure. Yeah, I took a photo of them yesterday. They were hard at it. They were yeah, working really hard to bag it up. So every Actually, every Australian them. kid should get the opportunity to do just what your little Henry and his mate have done. Yeah. <laughs> good on you, Madonna. Nice to talk to you. Good yeah, luck. You to, too, Maka. Good luck today. Good yeah. Always lovely to listen to you. So thank you. Thanks, Dolph. Bye. Bye. Uh, G'day, this is Macca. Hello. Good morning. Morning. Uh, Hello, Macca. Yep. It's Marion from Walwa. Yes, Marion. 
Um, I'm from the northeast of Victoria, Upper Murray. We were burnt out in the Black Summer uh, bushfires in 2019 and 20. Mm -hmm. um, our area is organising pamper packs to be sent over to the ladies in WA that have been fire affected. Isn't that nice? Yes, it is nice. Um, seeing that we've all been through it and we know what it's like, um, so yes, we really want to do something for those ladies who have gone through such a hard time with these bushfires. Um, so if you would like to donate something towards that, if you're from the Upper Mara area, um, which is Jinjalik, Walwa, Koryong, Tomberumba, um, the drop-off point for those things is Jinjalik Store. Jinjalik Store. Jinjalik Store, and they will be sent over in three weeks' time. And that's the sort of thing we ought to do. I remember a couple of times when I, once I was out at Cobar and I met, uh, amongst other people, I met a big convoy of uh, trucks from Western Australia who were bringing over hay to, to the drought, and, and that happens fairly routinely, and I think it's a great thing that um, the fireys in, in Victoria helped the fireys in New South Wales or Queensland um, and, and down in Burnie Fire, all those sort of things. It happens all over, and I think it's a great thing to happen and to keep happening, Marion. Well, we were, we were very looked after by everybody in Australia with donations of um, food, essentials, uh, water, because our fire went on for quite a few weeks. Um, so they were very, very gratefully received from all the people that donated to us, including a lot of spotter for... Um, animals whose farms were completely burnt out, so they had no feed. Um, so yes, we just want to uh, do something for for people in WA that have gone through this horrible time. It's a great example you set, Marion. Good on you and all the ladies. And Gingelic stores the drop-off point. Um, yes. yes, gratefully accepted any donations for paper packs for ladies and and fellows. All right, good on you, Marion. Nice to talk to you. Okay, thank you, Maka. See you. Have a good day. Yeah, Bye. you too. Bye. Cole White says, uh, Macca, uh, a great start to the year. This is last week when we came back. Any program which includes I Made 100 must be a ripper. The first one back was just that. Kieran's contribution was, as always, interesting. And what a great insight we get into living in America. Uh, I remember reading his book, Hard Country, Hard Men, one of the best books I've read, following the tracks of Augustus Gregory. Michael Kelly the marine pilot, is a worthy recipient of the highly prestigious and much sought after Australia All Over Australia of the Year Award. I nominated Kevin and Rhonda Butler for Blaze Aid for the Australian Newspapers Australian of the Year and I've also nominated all our truckies who went without hot food and hot showers for so long so we could continue to have, amongst other things, hot food and hot showers. G'day, this is Wendy. I'm in Tartar at the moment. Very nice spot, Wendy. What's happening? Yeah, I'm just halfway through a caravan touring trip from Melbourne through Gippsland to the South Far Coast and then back again. Uh, back again, right. Yep. And how's, yeah, it, how's so it going? Yeah, it's been good. I've been through um, Malacoota and Marindula and been driving through a lot of, uh, thankfully, regenerating but terribly burnt out forests. And um, yesterday I went to the Tathra Wharf, which I, I never knew about. And um, it has a, a museum and a, a wonderful history of the, um, the Illawarra steamship um, Company. ship line. Yeah, from Sydney to uh, Tathra. And it's called the Pig and Whistle Line. That was a nickname for it. They used to have, see, that was uh, 
one of the ways to get around the coast in in other times. You'd cu- you'd catch a steamboat from Sydney to Grafton and uh, from yeah. Sydney to Tassie and uh, from Tassie and to the... Sydney to Melbourne and all those. You'd get on the on a boat, which would and the cargo. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like a lovely way to travel, Wend. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's it's a very enjoyable trip and um, meeting lots of lovely people and seeing some very beautiful beautiful places. And what did you have some time? I spoke to. Um, uh, a friend of mine who I'll speak to again later in the program, and uh, he said it's because of COVID. He had some time, so he thought um, his job had fallen in a in a heap. So he said, "Oh, well, I've got some time. I'll go and do something." Is that your story? What? Why are you doing touring? Um, actually, I've, I I can w- work online. I, I do my work on on the computer, and I've chosen to um <clears throat> to uh, uh, vacate my home, and I've <laughs> left it, and I live permanently in my van and. Travel around Australia, seeing, seeing, seeing things. That's well. You just say that very blithely. You've chosen to vacate your home. That's that's a big step, Wend. Yes, it took a year uh, while I was in lockdown in Melbourne to um, to sell all my furniture and and um, donate all my clothes and get rid of all my books and and um, <sighs> and get rid of the rental and um, oh. and now I'm at what they call a van lifer. <laughs> well, I want to. Well, I don't want to get rid of my books. It's I love books, but they're going to have to go, when, don't they? I mean, you know, you just can't keep things all the time. And I like to buy a book, so it's always I've I've got an in tray, but no out tray. If you know what I mean. <laughs> all, all my books are are on my phone now, so I, I don't have any dead weight to to lug around with me. And yet, a book itself, with a lovely paper and whatever, is a thing of beauty, isn't it? And and I was I was thinking one of the things because I never used to do this, annotate in the in write, you know, when you see something, you should write a little note for yourself in the in the in the margins, which is probably don't write in the book. You know, you're scolded when you're a kid. Don't write in the book. Yeah. But I think it's a good idea, actually. I think it's fabulous. I used mm. to do it myself. <laughs> and and yeah, it just reminds you of things you know, things when you when you look at your book. Well, Wendy, where are you heading to now after Tathra? Um, up to Wallaga Lake, in in Bermagui. And and so you're just on the road full time, Wend. Yes. And, yes. And work, what sort of work do you do? Um, I do secretarial work. I I have clients that um send me um sort of handwritten stuff in, in photos, and I I type it up for them and send it back to them by email. Well, good luck to you, Wendy, and you keep in touch. And I might bump into you sometime. And uh, thanks, Maka. Seeing you. I. Love listening to you. I, I, I put my alarm on on a Sunday morning so that I'm up listening to you when you first come on. That's very nice of you. I put my alarm on too. <laughs> but you know what? I... I am, I'm so sick to death of that surfing song. Which one? Oh, Surfing with the Aliens. Oh, my God. Please <laughs> don't play it again. Please. Oh, well, when people say that to me, I'm just tempted to do it. Cycle with a bloke used to ring up and say, don't play, don't play that. I made a hundred in the backyard at Mum, so I... So uh, keep your voice down, Wen. All right, lovely to talk to you. Good on you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Last December, just before Christmas, Luke Cable rang from, I think he rang from Bringenbrogen Bridge, where he was about to paddle a Murray. I came back to work and uh, I wondered, did he make it? Well, I did some sleuthing and uh, he did. And he's on the line. Good morning, Luke. Morning, Maka. How you going? Tired. <laughs> Very tired. I can officially report, after some detailed investigations, that the Murray River is a very, very long river. Yeah, it's about 2,500 k's. How did you go? Did you enjoy it? Um, apart from the tiring part, I suppose it got harder the further you went, did it? Uh, 10 hours paddling, 12 hours on the water every day. There's nothing easy about it. But, you know, I think some of the great things in life 
have to be that way. You just some sometimes easy means not amazing. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But you know, the first three hours every morning of watching the sunrise and being on the water just before it came up, um, and the wildlife and the people is just, just experiences I'll never forget. I think you said to me something like, um, you know, you said it's going to be a lovely way to spend some time that I've dedicated to an adventure. Bit of an adventure? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I remember the first night I set up camp, uh, which I didn't make it very far on the first day, but I had to go over to, to some caravan people and say, look, um, if, if you see, and this is Bill and Vicky, actually, they, I said, if you see me doing anything wrong, just sing out because I haven't done this before. So they've been giving me tips all the way down the river, you know, <laughs> a steep learning curve. How did you spend your time mostly on the river? What, 12 hours a day on the river, you reckon? Yeah, it would be because, you know, I'm boats doing about seven or eight k's an hour. And once I'd sort of built my fitness up, which took about three weeks because I hadn't done much exercise for the last year or so, uh, just due to lockdowns and, you know, the COVID state that we're all in. You know, once three weeks in, I suppose I was doing 10, 10, 12 hour days every day, which doesn't leave much time for sort of sightseeing above the riverbank. But, you know, in the mornings and the evenings after I'd cooked and cleaned, it was just, just stunning to sit back and just watch watch the river go by and, and, the, and the animals come out and, and the people that you meet along the river is just, just so special. I've never done anything like that and I'd love to, but I, I suppose you've just got to get off your bum and do it, haven't you? Is that what you, you decided to do? What do you do for a living, Luke? I'm a, a consultant in sales and project management. So uh-huh. I help companies across retail, industrial and manufacturing, which has all been very, hit very hard by the current calamities that we're in around the world. And so I actually had two or three months without sort of any work coming up and uh, I'd been thinking of how I could try and make a great year out of a, a pretty terrible year, to be honest. And just luckily the inspiration came to me from watching that documentary about a guy who paddled the Yukon when I was watching Netflix one day. So um, six weeks later, I started. Was there a highlight? I suppose there's lots of, every day was a highlight, was it? The highlight, two takeaways for me was how hard it was. It was just humans aren't made to sit in a kayak for 12 hours a day for seven weeks. It ended up taking me. But you just say to yourself, I'll just paddle one more bend or I'll just do one more kilometre or I'm not feeling too good today, but let's just see if I can do maybe a couple of hours and then if I'm still feeling bad, I'll see how I feel after that. It, it really is just a matter of you just got to keep going, even when the weather conditions aren't great. You know, I saw a, a, a water twister just outside of Renmark and got caught in a big, big storm a couple of times. You can't wait for the perfect conditions Otherwise, you sort of never, never get anywhere, and that's a little bit like life. You know, if you wait for the perfect conditions to do anything, we'll all struggle to get very little done. And did you bump into many river people and uh, along the way? I suppose you did. Oh, just fascinating. And the people that came out of nowhere that I'd never even met before or that never heard of me and, and just offered to help. And, and even the ones that weren't helping me along the way, you're having a really bad day and thing, you know, your back's really hurting and your shoulder's clicking and you've got blisters and, and it's just physically hard and hot. And then someone will say something to give you a bit of a word of encouragement, and that's really all you need. It just made me think that, you know, when we're travelling around Australia, when we're doing our day-to-day lives, that, you know, people can be having a tough day, and maybe it's just a smile or a hello or how you're going, and just these little things that can make the big difference. Look, look at that at the end, there's a guy called Matt Eldred, just to give you an example of some of the, the people that helped me along the way. You know, he's from Strathalbyn in South Australia, and he'd never heard of me, and I got his number through the Murray River Paddlers Association and called him up. And, you know, I got across this Lake Alexandrina at the end, which is sort of 30, 40 clicks across, straight across, and quite dangerous because it's not really a lake. It's like an ocean. You can't see the other side. And he said, oh, look, I don't think your kayak's probably good enough. I think, you know, maybe you need this to do this. And he said, I'll come meet you. And if, if, you, if we can't get your kayak seaworthy, I'll give you my old kayak and I'll come paddle it with you for a little bit. 
just people like that along the way that just never met me are just so helpful and so encouraging. And, you know, Peter from the Mita Mita Canoe Club in, in Albury who helped me get across the weir when I was totally dehydrated and sunburned, you know, not thinking straight and invited me to his home. And, you know, New South Wales Fisheries Police, which would try and run water out to me when uh, there was an algae bloom and drive me all around with Jura. And it's just, it's just everywhere people were helping me along the way. And I just don't think without the help, I probably could have done it, to be honest. But the other thing about that is when you do something, you only learn something or get something out of it when it's, when it's tough. Isn't that right? I think so. And you know what? Uh, Peter Heath from New South Wales Fisheries, top bloke, you know, just the guy who wants to look after the river and the, and the environment that we're all in. You know, he said to me, adventure is adversity viewed retrospectively. <laughs> and I, th- I think he's kind of right because when you're doing it, I remember saying to some of my friends that thought it was a Zen experience, you know, I thought I must be just sitting there like a monk the whole time watching the river go by, but it was arduous. It was very, very hard. And when you're in those sorts of moments, it's, which is, you know, typically the last four hours of the day is the hardest. You've just got to try and remember why you're there and how lucky I am that I live in a country where you can even consider taking two months off work to be able to go and chase a dream like this. You know, many people around the world earn a couple of dollars a day and the whole idea of two months off ever is just, inconceivable to them. Yeah, I'm talking to Luke Cable and Luke's uh, just paddled the Murray and finished a couple of days ago uh, but yes if you take your time and be careful like you Luke um, it's a rewarding experience. Even if you fail, even if what you set out to achieve doesn't work out the way that you planned, which is actually what they call life, there will be definitely learnings and experiences that you can take from a failure to sort of, if you have the right sense of perception of, of, of that experience. But yeah, no doubt, you know, I was on my mind the whole way that, you know, there was a possibility I wouldn't make it, especially being a little bit, you know, 40 with not so much training and, and worried about the body and the injuries and, and the like. And But you just have to sort of take it day by day and, and leg by leg and then worry about the next leg after that. And I think that's sort of just how we all sort of approach life, really. It's just day by day if we can. It's been a great experience for you and, and for us too, Luke. Now, listen, tell me, what are you going to do to get retail back on its legs? Well, I've tried my very best. I've been buying Australian wherever I can, especially Australian food and Australian camping gear. And, you know, it's a, it might be a little bit more expensive, but I think we'd all agree that when we do, we get better quality. And it is hard when you're looking at the cost differences, but, you know, when you meet these people, especially on the river that work on the river and work in the industries that you're sort of buying, they're so passionate about what it is that they make and why they make it. You're never going to go wrong supporting the Australian economy. And I think, you know, like, you know, the universe is sort of what goes around comes around too. You know, we've all had experiences of when, you know, we've helped someone out doing something and then, you know, something's turned around and helped us. So I think retail back on its feet. Uh, give me a smaller problem to solve, can you? <laughs> <laughs> Where are you calling from this morning, Luke? Uh, Port Lincoln. I'm here with my brother who was, um, I have to say, that one of the, you know, without him for two weeks on the river, he came and he carried all the weight and gave me a bit of time to get my, I suppose, river legs. I mean, he was just an amazing companion to, to spend some time with. He never complains. He's a bit, little bit younger than me, but, you know, he's so fit. He's just such a lovely guy. I'm, I'm the grumpy older. <laughs> older brother and, and he puts up with me and so I just definitely would not have gotten to the end without him and he, he came to Gulwa which is the finish with my mother and my best friend Susan, Susan Mizrahi from the Inland Murray Rivers Paddlers Association which has been recording the and did finishes they, for... Did they clap? They did, they had cameras, <laughs> it was an interview there was Frank Tuckwell who first started doing it uh, who has an OAM out of it and his services to council in Gulwa. The story goes that some guy was paddling along and he was fishing and came up to him 60 years ago and said, where's the register? Frank's, Frank's like, where, what register? He said, I've just paddled the whole Murray. I want to know where I register. Frank was fishing and went into his wallet and scribbled something on a piece of paper and asked for his name, date, start point, finish point, and then handed him a piece of paper and that's how the register is born. So you, and you're and on the register now. I am, number 396. <laughs>
all the way down the river after our, I think it was the 13th of December, we spoke all the way down, pretty much to halfway through South Australia. People were yelling out, are you the guy from Macca paddling the river? Or are you that crazy kayaker Macca spoke to? Most of the time I'd say yes, because I either wanted to touch of fresh milk or a bit of fresh water or, or just someone to talk to apart from the kangaroos and the emus and the cockies. So um, it was well warranted and welcomed. It, it just shows how far your show reaches and how much of an impact it has on people. You know, there's not much out there, market, you know, that isn't doom and gloom these days because that's what sells. But, you know, you know you can turn on your show on a Sunday morning and it's all good. It really is. And it's just great. It's just uplifting. So um, thank you to you and the team at ABC for all these years of making Australians smile. All right, and when I uh, when I decide to paddle a Murray, I'll ring you before I go and just get a few uh, last minute tips, Luke. Okay. <laughs> well, you definitely can because I know it pretty well now. So um, my, my suggestion is take a tinny and a motor. <laughs> Good on you, Luke. Thanks a lot, Macca. Good morning, Macca. It's James from Brisbane. How are you? Uh, good, thanks, James. Uh, we spoke. Uh... Uh, in November, late November, I had two knees, bilateral knee surgery, and and I just thought I'd ring back and give you an update, mate. Of course, of course, as you do. Um, well, tell us, what, how's it going? I'm now bionic, you know, going great. I make this funny noise like Steve Austin used to in the Six Million Dollar Man, <laughs> but people don't know what to think about it. Really? Do you make a noise when you walk? <laughs> no, 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 I don't make a noise. Um, I make a beep when I go through security, though. I bet you do. So, And that's all turned out all right? Yeah, it's been fabulous. Thank you very much. How about you? How was your break? Um, the break was, yeah, well, it was different. Yeah, it did, no, did nothing, like didn't go away or anything like that. Just cleaned up around the house and wondered what I'm going to do with books. And I hate throwing books out. Um I love books. They're wonderful things. And I think, you know, in hundreds of years, we probably won't have books. And books that we have will be probably, you know, they'll be, you know, some of the books you've got, they're just lovely things. So I don't know. I don't know what you do. But, and you I, know, I agree. I, I agree. I'm, I'm going through a bit of a reading spurt at the moment, too. A gentleman from Moscow at the moment. I'm reading a fantastic book. But my wife's into minimalism. And so every time I move, there's something I used to try that's gone. <laughs> Something's gone. <laughs> That's the line out of what's his song, something's lost and something's gained in living every day. So, James, uh, so you're back walking and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've been fabulous. I, yeah, I'm 54, so I'm really lucky to have done done uh, that at this age. You know, most people are probably more like 70-odd. Um, so, you know, obviously I'm going to um, heal quicker. Um, but, uh, you know, 10 weeks it is now, and, you know, I'm back at the, back at the gym and, uh, you know, pretty much doing whatever I can do. What are you doing in the gym for God? Is this for um, I physio, do older, physio you know, or something? Older men. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm trying to look better naked. That's that's my ultimate goal. Oh, oh dear, James. Yeah. yeah, but it's not working. No, <laughs> no. Well, that can be a problem. Yeah. Um, okay. So your advice to people would be to have the surgery, eh? Oh, listen. If you, it's the old story. Everyone says get it done, get it done, and you always make a yeah, you, know, you always procrastinate. But um, yeah. If, Honestly, I would absolutely. Um, it, it's a different pain, the, you know, when they saw off your bones and stuff like that. Obviously, it's going to hurt, um, but uh, it's a different pain compared to the agony of uh, knees. Anyway, I can't even speak about knees, but I'm, you know, it must be people out there with ankles and the hips, and a lot of people get it done. So, absolutely, get it done. I mean, it's such a shame to limp around and hobble around like some old cowboys. How I used to walk, and now. I'm, <laughs> 
Now I'm, the, now I'm Steve Austin. An old cowboy. Yeah, that's a great image. Good on you, James. Good luck, mate. I'll see you in Brisbane sometime. Yeah, look forward to it, Macro. Have a great year, mate. Don't give up. Nice. Good on you. Thanks, mate. See ya. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.